0: Hey Rob, what do you think of our funky new Football in Berkshire branding? They're great, Tom. Who's made them? They've been created by friend of FIB, Ellis Woods, who runs his own creative agency, Flare Media. He's heavily involved in grassroots football and kindly sponsors this very podcast. That's great. What else do they do? Well, it's funny you should say that, Rob. Ellis offers affordable digital marketing, digital and print branding like logos, banners, flyers and business cards, as well as website content creation and management. Go and have a look at flairmedia.online and tell Ellis we send you. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Berkshire Football Stories podcast with me, Tom Canning, and me, Rob Davis. uh, We are running our pub, but not in a pub chats. And this week we have our first football manager, and it's, uh, it's none other than Vanarama National League South Hungerford Town manager, Ian Herring. Hello, Ian.
1: Hi
2: Tom hi Rob
0: hello uh glad great to have you here in um I know obviously a bit of a difficult time um not only uh not only on the pitch I think but uh but obviously with everything that's going on as well so uh thank you for taking the time out to talk to us have you have you been busy today um
1: yeah, I'm still working so uh, no problem at all I'm still at work um uh, my day job um frustrated not being
0: able to do football yeah it <laughs> sounds like uh, yeah so it sounds like 99% of the population for the time being sadly yeah um Ian just I want to start off um the obvious place to start your uh your new video um uh I want to say your new your, your new videos that you've been posting um they're absolutely excellent uh I really love listening to them it's a shame that has been cut short effectively um what made you decide to start those
1: um no, thank you. I've had some good feedback from them um it, It's something that i I sort of thought of around Christmas time um partly because um we we sort of lack volunteers at hungerford et etc and and there's not a great deal of content on the website and on our social media page so i I sort of part that was part of the reason so the supporters get a bit of an insight but also um, another part of the reason is I'm, I'm pretty sure no manager has ever done that and I try to break the mould with certain things especially with, with what I do in a coaching capacity um, so with that people can have a little insight of what it's like at non-league level and and I hope to develop it in future and have some chats with with other players um, supporters but also opposition players as well and sort of find, kind of get other people's stories and insights into 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 what they do as well so um so yeah that's kind of the the idea behind it and and to offer essentially our supporters but well, other non-league supporters as well so a little yeah. bit of insight
0: you uh, you picked a great great game to start it a great day to start it. So the, one <laughs> on, the one on your doorstep uh and then obviously off you go to slough and uh I have to say, when I was watching your video, the way I'd seen the tweets come through was that it had been a two-nil defeat, and I thought, oh, I was, you know, that I tell you what, that's great that he's he's still out there. He started it. He's out there. He's still on the he's on the pitch talking to carrying it through even after a two-nil defeat. And then I'm listening to it, and obviously the boys come over and uh, and, and kind of bundle you a little bit, and I'm thinking, oh, have <laughs> got is <this> right. <laughs> yeah. But what a what a day to start it! That, um, that game must have been something special.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, obviously, the the sort of the build-up to the day was extremely difficult. Um, it's no secret that we've got the we've got the sort of financial problems again. before the the situation, the global situation. So, so in the run-up to it, with the players being told they're not going to be paid and stuff stuff like that, it was kind of sprung upon us. So I don't we had a we had a chat with the chairman in the week, but then on Thursday the lads sort of come together, me and my wife cooked for them and um, and there was a real positive atmosphere and it was it was very similar to, to sort of the position we were in last season. Um so I just I'm very, you, you touched on there, what you thought we'd lost, and I continued with the videos. That's um, why I've done it at Bath as well, because I'm, I'm a person, win or lose, I think I try and remain on an even keel, and you meet a lot of managers and people before the game. It's, oh, yeah, I'll see you in the bar afterwards for a drink. Yeah. And um, you don't see him if you win, but if you, if we get beat, then then they're be the best friends, <laughs> So um, So, but I try and remain on an even keel, um whether we win or lose but fortunately the the morning I've started it We've gone to we've gone to Slough and thoroughly deserved thoroughly deserved the win and and it was good to it was good that the, the lads coming together um, because I believe in my ability I believe in those players and I think people underestimate how hard it is to put a team together from scratch which is what we've pretty much done again and those players are uh, uh, not just with a Slough game in the in the run up to that the games before they were proving how good they are and and yeah fortunately the day we started the videos it all went well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this break seems to have come a, a bad time for you you were uh, gathering a, a nice bit of form um, uh, going into the end of the season there you, I was thinking you were right, right in saying you've won three and drawn one of your last seven is that correct
1: yeah yeah we we, uh, we had a little we lost to Bath in the last game but um, we've been on a good run before that we drew away from home at Tunbridge and beat Braintree then then had the away win at Slough so it's kind of it, it was funny really i thought the lads were doing really well then we got got pumped 7-1 at hampton away and i think since then since then it's it's the lads have sort of had utmost belief in their in their own ability and and their set and each other as well um and like i said it it, it takes time and we've got the likes of George Smith. He was playing for Kimbury last year, five levels below, and now he's he's a regular, regular player. We've got other players that haven't played at this level as well, and and it takes time. It takes time for them to sort of have the belief in them in themselves. I'll always believe in them, but it takes time for them to to trust that belief, if that makes sense. So yeah, the the, the sort of the breaks come at a bit of a bad time, but but there is more. To Life than football, isn't there?
2: there certainly, oh, there, isn't very it? much so.
0: Yeah. Um, Ian, you you obviously have to go kind of looking looking around the lower leagues for for players. How, how, is it is it you that's doing that? Do you ever do you have a couple of guys around you, a couple of guys or girls around you, going and looking, or is it is it something that you do yourself?
1: I try to get out and look where I can, but I've, I've got. I'll be honest in the sense of I take a, I've, I've built a lot of relationships and and make a lot of phone calls and essentially I'm in a position where, where I take a lot of chances on people and I'm a firm believer in, in people, people deserve opportunities in life and I'll give, I'll give anyone and everyone an opportunity if, they, if, I, if I feel they deserve it and it's up to them whether they take that, if that makes sense. This, the, the break has come at, a, at, at sort of a bit of a disappointing time because I was in the process of sort of bringing two scouts in to help with that, with a view to next year, the budget kept getting cut even further. Yeah. I'm really, really going to have to look for some rough diamonds, um, which we've done previously, and I know I can do again. Um, but, yeah, so we're, I'm looking to looking to increase the, the team, but unfortunately that, that's something that... that is we can't pay at Hungerford. So mm-hmm. it's going to be people that, that want that experience. And, and at step two, it, it'd be good for them. And, and if we can get a few players out of it, that, that we can develop and progress and do well for us, essentially, but then progress higher up the pyramid as well, then brilliant. Um...
0: Ian, I forgot to say just before, just uh, this little bit of admin, I forgot to say, uh, as we're on the video call, the idea idea behind doing a video call was that Rob and I will just pop our fingers up at at each time so that between us, we know who's going to ask a question. Uh, We're still still trialling this as a thing. So Rob had his his finger up there.
2: Yeah, it was a signal to Tom there. So, uh,
0: yeah,
2: nothing directed at you at all. But, uh, yeah, there was a couple of things there that you said that were really interesting. First, well, how many... um, how big is the team you've got around you at the moment? Uh, And then also you're talking about the ambition of uh, playing uh, step two and, or step two and beyond. Um, Is that the ambition of the club? And how do you see um, Hungerford going about achieving that in the next few seasons?
1: Um, So the team around me, obviously, with Hungerford, our finances are limited. So I've got a very small team around me. And it's just myself, um, Ian Hobbs, assistant manager, doubles up as a goalie coach as well. Um, And then we've got Jan Klukowski, player coach. And then Robin, who's um, our physio and the two, our two kit men, Sid and Budgie, are volunteers, um, so that's that's all that's all of my team, um, essentially, and it's quite funny when you come up against against other teams in this level, <laughs> and they've sort of got 9, 10, 11 members of staff, I think Weymouth, Weymouth are the ones, and, and they've got about 13 members of staff, analysts and everything, so wow. it's something that, that, that we are sort of aspire to do, but when it comes to GPS vests and the data and clipping all that up, that's something in that I take I do in my own personal time as well. So there's there's a lot of time that I put in, but also with the help of with Hobo and um, Jan as well. But but yeah, step two, um, difficult question. How do we how do we sort of can we progress higher? Not at this moment. Time, I don't think. Have I got a long-term plan? Which I believe that, that that I can possibly get get Hungerford up towards the top half and 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 beyond. Yes, um, but with with the budget cuts, that's going to make it even more difficult. But yeah. I think I think if you can if you can treat people right, essentially, um, I think everyone that knows me knows I'm an open and honest person. And if you can treat people right, right, and 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 get them playing for you if that makes sense and you can't fake that i don't think if you can get a group that wants to play for you and you can keep a group season on season and slowly add to it which is what i was wanting to do we had seven stay last year and i wanted to sort of hope to keep 10 to 12 and gradually build because fortunately i'm at a club where i I sort of got that time if that makes sense Mm. um that that's how i planned on going about it sort of gradually but um Sometimes things come along and, and your plans get scuppered. So, which 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 looks like that might be the case.
0: There's obviously um, uh, with Hungerford, and and I know you you you've been, at, you've been you were a player at Hungerford for a couple of years. So I haven't got the I haven't got the dates in front of me, yet, but you are you are a player there for a couple of years. And obviously, Hungerford rose pretty rapidly. Um, there's obviously a point where the club needs to stabilise somehow because it, because at certain points you're pushing you're punching above your weight. I don't think that's unfair unfair to say um certainly with no. you know the size of the size of hungerford as a town itself as a as a place where people live um I, if i'm not if i if i remember rightly, it's probably one of the smallest populations with a club at step two
1: six thousand i think six yeah, seven thousand
0: something like that so it's, it's it's, it's incredible it's a really small kind of catchment area now that's not to say that that people don't travel to watch national league south football but at the same time, obviously, yeah, it's a you've got quite a small catchment area, and Hungerford as a as a team has has risen rapidly. So, is it? Do you think it's a case of um, it might be sort of a bit up and down for a couple of years? It, it's obviously a case of trying to find a, a situation where the club is stable and viable, both on and off the pitch. <sighs>
1: It's a difficult question and I could I could sort of spend hours <laughs> talking about it <laughs> in the sense of in the sense of yeah, I I I first signed for Hungerford way back in about two thousand and thirteen I think. And um, and there's a lot of people that put a lot of hard work, time, effort and finances into the football club. Now a lot of that was essentially into players on the pitch now i'm not saying people didn't do good work off the pitch but a lot of finances and expenditure was put into the into players on the pitch which which is great and and it, it paid my wages and and helped us be successful and, and rapidly climb the leagues um i think we kind of as a town as people etc as as people at the club i think we kind of missed a trick to try and to try and sort of Tag on to that and get more people in through the turnstiles. Then, if that makes sense. Yep. But hindsight's easy, isn't it? And it's easy <laughs> to look back. But um, and now we, we we are where we are now. But unfortunately, it's it's down to the time and and people um, to 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 do the hard work of of getting more people through the gate. I've had numerous discussions with the chairman in the sense of how can we go about it. I think it's it's not rocket science if you're struggling for money you've got to lower your expenditure what do we spend most of our money on players so you've got to cut your budget or you increase your revenue and and what have we got at hungerford where we can really realistically pull in a lot of money we don't get the people through the gates at the moment so we've only got sort of the members bar which unfortunately isn't utilized as well as it could be so the academy is even though it's under the hungerford town banner it's not really it's sort of outsourced subcontracted out if you like so that's not really that's not doesn't we don't really get a financial gain from that um, but then also is the pitch The the I want to stay off the pitch as much, much as possible so is this good enough for the brand of football that I want to play but, but so then I think do you go to a 4g pitch I think you have to in, in non-league clubs in this day and age for that for that sort of not only the revenue stream but to make it a hub a community hub um, and as soon as you've got that community hub that way again it comes down to a lot of hard work finances but also volunteers that that if we can get round and hit the schools etc and stuff like that i believe you can raise um, raise gates because i've always said yes we only get average i think 250 people which is small, yes, the town's only got six thousand people, and I'd hear all the time, oh, you'll never raise the gates. I think it's a bit not a bit of a bit of nonsense that in the sense of what's two fifty or six thousand, about two percent. So two percent yeah. of Hungerford come and watch us play football. Um, which, which isn't big. And you go up the high street, nothing to say where Hungerford is. Not a lot of people know there's a football club in Hungerford, but Again, it's all very good having sort of ideas and what we can do, um, but but it's it's having the people around the club to be able to actively go out and do that, and that is obviously while we're still trying to <laughs> yeah. trying to keep a football team at steps two. So it, it's a juggling act that is very hard.
0: Um, Ian, let's, good. let's uh, oh sorry, Rob, go on oh no after you talk, um robert uh sorry uh ian i was just going to take it back to your your playing career a little bit because obviously um it, you know you, you you play for a number of clubs talk us through talk us through your playing career a little bit i'd like i'd like to know a little bit more about that <laughs>
1: um yeah i did i did play for a number of clubs which is funny because i tend to think of myself as a loyal person but i've found myself in various situations and been at three clubs that have struggled financially so initially i was at swindon i signed for swindon when i was a kid at 10. when i left school i got released by swindon went on trial to Reading and portsmouth swindon found out and offered me a scholarship <laughs> so i signed back for swindon and <laughs> 18 i got released again went on loan to um salisbury for a month and chippenham um, then got called back played in the first team made my debut played a few games in the first team then got offered a pro so even the, the <laughs> second time I've been released I signed back which is kind of a story I use with the players now to sort of essentially never give up so but I was released from Swindon I think around Christmas time and because I've been at Chippenham before and I just wanted to play football and I thought play for Chippenham and sort of try and climb the ladder again it didn't kind of work out that way so i was there for three months then i signed for salisbury um in the conference national two years there the money man pulled out so i had to leave the club um went to northwich for a year Lived up north come back down south signed for forest green then Eastleigh, and then found myself at hungerford and i had a spell at silent Sester for a year in between as well
0: was it, was it, um, obviously when, when you became manager how did, where, what, did who approached you because I know it was Bobby Wilkinson left but it was a little bit of a surprise I think maybe not, maybe not to people in the club but certainly outside of the club it seemed a bit of a, a surprise when Bobby left was it automatic that you were going to kind of step into that role no
1: no no it, it was um, it was a surprise to the players as well um, it was done at half time at well in a way um so then then as a group of players we we were shocked um and nigel warwick was the chairman at the time and and sort of management was always something that i i thought i wanted to do um and i think i was what 32 at the time and i felt i still had quite a few a few years left in me playing so and I anticipated a new manager coming in, but I, I sort of spoke to Nigel Warwick and messaged him and said, "If you need anyone to steady the ship for a couple of weeks well, until you find the right person, then I'll, I'll happily do do anything I can to help you." And John Boardman done the same, so with that, um uh, Nigel put us both in temporary charge, and um, then then give us the role as joint managers. Yep, um, sort of.
2: Uh, go away from that a little bit uh, for a moment. You've met, we mentioned a few times about the break now that's happening and uh, how uh, the whole routine has uh, sort of changed for uh, people like you and everyone else at the uh, connected to the club. Is there anything like could you give us an insight into how that um, routine has changed for you and the players and in terms of anything training and day to day at the club and also have you had any conversations with uh, the National League as a, in terms of where you go from here uh, uh, that you can actually share with the with us on the pod today?
1: Conversations with the national league? No, I've had none. <laughs> um, whether the club have, I don't. I don't think so. Um, not that I'm aware of. Even though I've seen something today where the national league has spoken to all the clubs. Um, little old Hungerford don't tend to get involved in those uh, uh, right. conversations, which is very frustrating. Um, so, no, that's a, that's the short answer. To that, but but no, it's a, it was a funny situation in the sense of all, all football was sort of cancelled except um, except the national league, which got, the national league <laughs> got a lot of flak, got a lot of flak for, and um, I think unfairly so, considering they were trying to they were just following the government guidelines so so essentially there's a lot of people that sort of say player player people's health and welfare is first and foremost anyone that knows me that's how i am um and that's how i manage but but that was sort of thrown about a lot when the national league continued on that saturday so to go back to your question the sort of the sort of and routine changing. From then, it was kind of very surreal, and we got the feeling that that was going to be the last game. So the players were happy to play. So we just—I said to the players, "You got to play like play like it's your last game, which you should do anyway. But also, we're going to have to live day by day." Um, which they were doing anyway. Um, The players hadn't been paid. So we we were living day by day and we didn't know what may be happening with the football club and and with with their sales, for instance. So... um, then, then we fast forward and, and the league did get cancelled and, and it was difficult. I'm, I'm sure every manager has been on the phone to all their contacts, sort of, well, what are you doing with the players? What what are you doing type thing? And um, I'm denied, should I get them in training still and keep them far, like, a few metres apart? But you can't, you've, you've got to listen to the advice. So essentially, we we put a lot of trust and responsibility into the lads to to individually keep up keep up their fitness and and just live day by day and and be ready whenever the next game may be.
0: Cheers, Ian. Um, I, I just wanted to uh, just start on your on your managerial career, just to just to sort of wrap things off, um, sort <laughs> to round things up. Um, kind of a couple of quick questions, uh, managerial wise. Best moment so far in the dugout.
1: Um, the last game of the season last year, closely followed by the season before, um, <laughs> <laughs> which which is funny, sort of avoiding relegation on on the last day of the season. Uh, but like you say, I think people underestimate what a task it, it is putting putting a new team together, and and especially sort of last season the the run we went on. I think from January to the end of the season, we were eighth in the form guide um, and bank holiday weekend. We drew with Bath 0-0 at home, then went to Torquay away and won 1-0, which set up the, the, the sort of opportunity. To to play Sparrow at home, and then we were we were losing, and Noah Chesmain scored scored a great goal in the last minute, and and that was a moment we knew we were safe, kind of thing. So so yeah, that that for me, um, uh, that was that's that's the best day, as well as as well as my
2: best achievement.
0: Rob, anything you just wanted to uh, round off with?
2: No, I think that's a pretty positive note to be uh, <laughs> ending on. So yeah. Ian a now. very nice achievement as well.
0: We do we do have a question. We've just started asking uh, everybody, everybody that's been on the podcast, the last three people that have been on. Um, box set you'd recommend to anybody that's uh, isolating themselves at home? What are you watching?
1: Box set. Oh, I've just started Spooks. Yeah, oh, me too, um, me too. start. Yeah, yeah, after listening to the radio. Uh, Peaky Blinders, obviously. <laughs> uh, but if, if no one's seen it, um, Sopranos. Okay. That's one of the best out there.
2: Oh. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, fully in agreement over there. <laughs>
0: um thank you Ian Ian Herring thank you very much for uh, for coming onto our podcast. Um much much appreciated and hopefully the season will get going uh, sooner rather than later and you guys can go and uh, you can go and beat beat your way out of the relegation zone once again uh, as I'm sure we all are hoping that you're able to do. Um <laughs> absolutely brilliant having you on uh if anybody uh, would like to go and listen to the rest of the podcast they're all up on our on uh, all good podcast apps that's berkshire football stories uh please give us a look out on twitter as well at fi berkshire uh it just leaves for me to say um for us all just to say goodbye so one two bye. three bye bye